0: Welcome
1: to my mommy's podcast.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Ra'el, the new organic and natural feminine care brand that is completely redefining the world of menstrual products. Their three female founders came together after experiencing a lack of healthy and functional period pads available most places. You see, products that claimed to be healthy didn't hold up, and the products that did hold up weren't exactly healthy. During their research, they found that pads and liners manufactured and sold by big drugstore brands were actually often made with extremely toxic ingredients like acetone, styrofoam, and other carcinogens that you don't want on your skin and especially not in such a delicate place. You know those bright white pads that have blue designs running down the center to look like that? They're heavily bleached and processed, often with harmful chemicals to function a certain way. But that's where raw comes in the company is on a mission to give women safe and healthy alternatives that don't sacrifice comfort or performance. That means that you can get the best of all worlds. Their pads and liners are sustainably made with 100% organic cotton, and they've become an Amazon bestseller in just a few months after launching. They've also expanded their collection to include biodegradable tampons, natural cleaners and wipes, menstrual underwear, and even a period beauty line featuring facial masks and acne patches designed specifically to alleviate hormonal skin issues. The company and its founders are really trying to revolutionize menstrual care and what it means to look after ourselves and our bodies during that time of the month. And they're really excited to offer you guys, Wellness Mama listeners, an exclusive discount to experience the difference firsthand. You can visit getryle.com That's G-E-T-R-A-E-L .com to learn more and to enjoy 15% off your purchase with the code wellnessmama. This podcast is sponsored by Thrive Market, my source for many organic and natural foods on a budget. See Thrive Market carries many of my favorite brands like Primal Kitchen, Kettle and Fire, Mary's Gone Crackers, and Simple Mills at a big discount. But my favorite thing is their line of Thrive Market brand products, which are amazing quality and they're a huge discount off of name brands. Our family always stocks up on things like almond butter, coconut aminos, canned tuna and sardines, avocado oil mayo, raisins, nuts, grain-free granola, spices, pasta sauce, chia seeds, and all of our other pantry staples so that we always have them on hand when we need them. Just for being a Wellness Mama podcast listener, and thank you for that, by the way, you can save an extra 25% off of your first purchase, plus you get a 30-day free membership to Thrive Market. You can get both of those by going to thrivemarket.com forward slash Katie. That's thrivemarket.com forward slash K-A-T-I-E. Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Heather. And welcome to the Wellness Mama sauna Cast. because we are joining you from inside of a quite hot sauna, and we're already dripping wet. <laughs> we are. We'll see how long we last. Uh, so we've had a lot of important conversations in the sauna,
1: some that have been recorded and some that have not. And uh, something special that's going to happen in this sauna cast is that we're going to kind of revisit um, an old idea or
0: an idea that was hatched in the sauna. Is that the right word, hatched? <laughs> I think so. I think that's an apt... Thing, especially because this one has taken like months to birth It almost like almost nine months so there's some fun correlations of feeling like we're birthing an entire project baby yeah so maybe it was conceived in the sauna and there not we hatch. go
1: there you go <laughs> um, we're, so we'll be
0: we're hatching it now, <laughs> <You're> hatching now.
1: <laughs> so we will touch more on that later but i guess first we should just do kind of a an update because a lot has happened since we last recorded a sauna cast
0: A lot has. Yeah. Lots of changes for us individually and our families and business. And we'll touch on some of those um, soon. But I feel like some of our core topics that we kind of always touch on are the parenting and kids side. Because I know we both get a lot of questions about that. And that's also just really important topic for both of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So I've read some books um, over the last nine or so months that I have loved. And a couple of those are the ones you recommended to me. So we were going to kind of touch on some of those plus maybe some of your favorites.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You want to lead it off? Um, so one of my
1: absolute favorites uh, has been how to raise an adult. And it's funny because the objective of the book, as stated, is like more focused on like how to get your kids in the right college. And I'm not even sure that that's not really this objective that I came to the book with. I really just wanted to raise an adult, a person who enters adulthood feeling capable and having skills that are appropriate um, to that stage of life and feeling confident and basically not lost because I think maybe it's just me, but I definitely entered adulthood seeing my parents model some really awesome things, but not actually knowing how to do them for myself and having to figure that out on the fly and making a big mess of some of those things. And my husband had the same experience too. So um, the thing that I loved the most about the book, though, was that I was expecting a checklist of, like, more things I needed to do. Um, but really, it was the antidote to, to parent guilt because, really, uh, the focus of the book was about how to help kids become more competent early in life and not stressing so much and not doing so much for them. And I could not believe it, like, how compelling a case she made for doing less for our kids and for pulling back a little bit and not giving ourselves the guilt trip for not doing all these things and how that's actually better for them over time. So, um, that was like, I think that one should be retitled the end of mom guilt. <laughs> I, love a good that. Book.
0: I love that book so much too. And it reminds me of a recent episode I did with Jim quick. And definitely a must listen if you guys haven't listened. But one of his points was, it's not about how smart kids are, but how are kids smart? Because every kid is smart in their own way. And he said by like letting them have their boredom and have challenges early in life to work through, they're able to more easily hone in on their unique ways in which they're smart. And as moms, I know it also, like you said, it relieves us of that mom guilt because our kids are more self-sustaining and self-sufficient and we don't feel guilty about not doing everything From them because we see how amazing and powerful they are when they're able to do things on their own. And My experience was so much like yours of my parents were very academically focused and I'm grateful for all the opportunities they gave me within that. Um, But I became sort of a trained poodle like I was very good at academics. I could do all the academic hoops and I could take tests and I could pass all the things or get good scores. And it turns out that's not actually a valuable life skill at all. And I had to learn things like cooking and doing laundry and how to change a tire on a car as an adult. And um, I know we're both on the same page of that as far as...
1: I, yeah, I mean, I joke, but I mean, it's not too far from the truth to say that when I got married, I knew how to make hamburger patties and spaghetti, you know, I mean, I really did not enter. And that's not to say, I, I mean, I did know some things. My mom definitely made an effort, but I did not develop the discipline of really learning to cook and to put a full meal on the table and definitely not a healthy meal. So
0: I had to learn it on the fly. And, and I wish that I had developed that skill earlier for sure. What do you feel like were some of the biggest, um, positive things that they modeled that you took into adulthood? Oh gosh. I mean, a lot. I mean, my dad was very much, he valued
1: academics and he valued learning. I mean, not really just the scores. I don't, he was really scores oriented, but he valued learning. And, um, to this day, I mean, I feel like I have, uh, such a thirst to learn. Like my husband makes fun of me because I listen to like a like podcasts for fun. And he's like, you know, you could relax. And I'm like, I am relaxing. I'm learning about economics. And he's like, that's not normal <laughs> um, for economics or something like that, you know, but fun. Um, I love to learn. And I definitely got that from him. My mom was very responsible and um, she owned a business growing up. So she modeled like figuring things out. That was kind of her whole mantra was like, everything is figureoutable. And um, if she didn't know how to do something that didn't, I mean, that didn't bother her. She would she modeled that for me, but even though everything is um, and I and I think that's totally true, I personally think that I could have maybe developed some skills earlier so that I didn't have to figure it out on the fly because uh, it was a little harder to do once I was in the middle and there were more things going on than just the ability to focus on that one thing.
0: For sure. And I know another Jim quick quote that I love was, um, if knowledge is power, then learning is a superpower. I feel like that's something that both of our parents did model for us pretty well. And something that we want to make sure we pass on to our kids because, um, we touched on this in a previous podcast, but I feel like their generation, they don't get it as easy as they can just learn a skill and do that skill for their whole life. Things are changing so quickly that they need to be able to think critically, learn quickly, connect dots where there are not dots. And I know that we both have things we do with our families. To kind of encourage that, whether it be watching TED talks with them or asking them questions every day like, what are you grateful for? What did you fail at? What hard questions did you ask today? And just trying to kind of train their minds to start thinking that way. Um, I know one thing that like the How to Raise Adults book brought up for me that was helpful was realizing like my own fear of failure. And that again is not the point of the book. Um, but because I was good at academics, I was afraid to fail at things. And I think failure is an amazing opportunity and an amazing lesson. And and so that's something I've tried to consciously pass on to my kids is that failure is good as long as you learn from it. Yeah, I definitely think that's
1: one of the books that you can read because you want to be a better parent, but you walk away being a better person. So that was definitely one of my favorite books this year. Um, another one I liked was Um just because it's practical. I mean, we're starting to get all of these, like uh, there are a lot of top level researchers who are now saying like play is important. Children aren't spending enough time outside. They need to engage. I mean, even at a physiological level, um, children need to like look outside and develop um, looking di- at distances for their eyes to develop properly. And so, you know, like they're like, what is the word for the balance, the inner ear, the vestibular system? Like um, we think of vestibular system as like, oh, well, kids can balance, but actually also has to do with things like emotional regulation. And we know that children need to like bounce and jump and roll and do all these things in order to develop like on a whole level. But doing that these days is like easier said than done, right? I mean, it's just, this is the world is different and engaging in outdoor play is not as like, take it, it's like, it's not something you can take for granted. So, um, was really good for me in that it gave a lot of just the, it gave me the why. Um, it really laid that out in a compelling way. But it, and, and some things I didn't agree with, like he, he argues that, in order to give kids more freedom, that we should give kids cell phones, and he's like, you know, the safety data on cell phones isn't totally out yet, and I'm like, hmm, I'm probably not going to give my young kids cell phones. Um, I'm going to choose a different approach to keep, um, you know, an eye on them. Uh, but overall, I think he makes an amazing uh, case for why we need to give kids uh, more outdoor play, more freedom to create, and um, some ways to implement that. So that was really awesome. I really loved it. And We haven't fully figured it out yet because we are not in a permanent home yet. We're building, um, which I think we're going to talk about later. Um, But we're working toward um, an environment that fosters that kind of
0: community for kids. Yeah, I had the same reaction to the cell phone thing, especially after just recently um, two interviews, one with a group called Operation R Rescue that – or Operation Underground Railroad I believe maybe they rescue victims of sexual trafficking and they said in our episode they said your the chance of your child being abducted in your own yard or your own neighborhood just playing outside is so small it would basically they'd have to stand there for about 750,000 years statistically to get abducted but cell phones and technology are the top place that children are being targeted, especially through social media. And so I think there is a case for at least making sure that any cell phone use is very responsible and that we're watching that um, because that is where people are targeting children. It's not when they're playing outside. Um, Also, I did an interview about um, video game addiction, which I didn't even realize is becoming as widespread as it is. But apparently mobile gaming is the most addictive for kids because it's connected to their person. There's like a psychological effect of it being an extension of them and becoming part of their psyche and part of their social development. So I'm very much with you on the whole, let's delay technology until maybe they're driving and they actually need technology. Um, But also this past weekend, I got to hang out with someone named uh, Stephen Kotler, who wrote a couple books I love. We'll link to those as well. Um, One was Stealing Fire and one is called The Rise of Superman. But he's a co-founder of something called the Human Flow Project, I believe. And he studies the mental state of flow, which is basically when we get everything done. We're very high achievers. Um, You have all five brain chemicals, all five positive brain chemicals firing at the same time. So you're getting like dopamine and norepinephrine and all the chemicals you need to feel great and function really well. Um, But it's not a state that we can sustain all the time. So his work has been all around how do you actually get into flow? And it turns out kids are experts at that if we let them play outside and like all the things you said, take risks and develop their vestibular system because he'd identified basically a cycle of four things that have to happen for flow. So the first one is you have to feel challenged or like a little bit out of your comfort zone. The golden ratio seems to be about 104% of your current capability. So just outside of your comfort zone, then you're supposed to get to a point where you're completely frustrated and then like have a release where you like let go and don't focus on it for a second, which kids are genius at because they push really hard and then they're like, oh, and they get frustrated and they walk away. But then if you're having some kind of movement during that time, which kids also do, then it helps you actually get into this state of flow, which he said kids are biologically better to do, able to do because their prefrontal cortex is less developed. So they have less of the things that keep you from being able to go into that state.
1: Yeah, the chatter, the fear, the talking at yourself kind
0: of thing. Exactly. And then after that, you need like a recovery period of sleep, which kids are better at with napping or just going to bed earlier. Um, but he said they studied all these populations. And so extreme athletes, like extreme poly athletes, get into flow the easiest. So this is people who are like, riding bikes down really steep mountains or skiing or surfing 100 foot waves um things i actually secretly hope my children don't do um but the second best are our children especially children who are either in montessori or who are playing outside because those are both built into the cycle that kids naturally do. So I loved that about Playboyhood. And I know like we've both kind of adapted things in our lives to allow for more of those experiences for our kids. Right. Because it's, it's not just a better
1: childhood. You're creating neural pathways that they'll be able to use as an adult to create a sense of relaxed focus. So they're getting things done. They're getting them done well um, without the levels of stress and anxiety that we see um, when you're not in the flow state and you're trying to accomplish those same things. So That's very cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what are some others?
1: Oh, well, okay. This is not related, but going back to my first one, how a book should leave you better Too, I feel like everything I've read, um, by Brene Brown this year has been, um, amazing for me. I feel like it's made me more empathetic with myself. Gosh, how do I say this? I think I've had more honest conversations with myself. Like there's some things I think I had believed or the, some narratives that I had kind of some things I had said or defense mechanisms. That's it. What it is defense mechanisms that I've had for a long time that I pulled apart and they've made me kinder to myself and therefore kinder to everyone around me. Um, especially I think my daughter is getting a little bit older and I want her to see me be kind to myself. I definitely had that. My mom was the kind of woman I never saw her like picking at herself or talking bad about how she looked or this those kinds of things. And so I feel like I, I grew up relatively free of certain things like that, but and nobody enters adulthood without picking up a few things with some of that negative self chatter. So um, learning uh, to do that has been really helpful and j- yeah, just so everything by her just blanket.
0: Yeah. I especially love um, daring greatly because the title comes from that Teddy Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena whose face is marred by the sweat and the blood. And um, basically like, The credit goes to the people who've actually fought the fight. Um, And I know for us, if we, speaking of Renee Brown, are willing to get vulnerable for a minute, like this online world is an amazing place and it's truly, we're both so grateful. I know you are too, for the fact that every day we get to like reach other people and to have this community of women that read our our blog And, and just like, there's such an amazing, so many amazing things about that. But also, it's very hard. Um, Especially, I feel like the online world gives so much anonymity to people who, um, especially those ever coming from a place of pain or fear, um, sometimes lash out in anger or in mean ways. And um, I know I can speak from my own experience. Like, I have in a single day, um, through social media, gotten death threats, um, detailed descriptions of how someone was planning to sexually assault me. And also just like very detailed critiques of my entire body and why it's not perfect. And any of those things alone are pretty rough. All three of those things in one day are really rough and it's hard. It's hard to not as women or as humans, um, not to recoil from that and not be willing to be vulnerable anymore and to put up walls. And, for me the last couple of years and thanks partially to Brene brown is realizing just how big of walls i had built around myself and and the degree to which i was going to go to not have to go through that pain but the problem is that cuts us off from relationships and community too because like she talks about so much you actually need vulnerability right to connect with people
1: yeah and i think you and i have talked a lot about this because it's definitely been an ongoing thing i've definitely experienced um feedback that was just devastating to me at times they're just it's so incredibly painful to even read and there are comments i haven't even gotten through and i've i've actually learned that if, if a comment starts with the phrase i'm sorry but that i just don't even read it because um you know there is a my husband sometimes reads it in response if it's needed but um i'm sorry but is like you just know it's coming and um So, but it is really hard because I don't think I feel like I was wired for the level of feedback that is possible in this world. And yet at the same time, I feel like I've been, I'm beyond amazed at the opportunities for connection that we've all, you know, that we've, that we've been able to forge. So, um, it's tough, but you and I made, we had a conversation earlier this year about how I made a list (laughs) and on that list, I put five people. (laughs) And those five people are the people that I go to when I need real feedback in my life because everyone is going to have an opinion and all opinion, all opinions are not equal. It's the people who see the full picture, who you let into every aspect of your life that you've invited them to offer you that feedback. Those are the people that I choose to to listen to. And then that other stuff, I'm I'm getting better at it. Um, but I'm trying to let it flow (laughs) kind of like water, just right past me and take what feels authentic and to take the other ones that are maybe rooted in pain or something that's not related to me and realize that, yeah, I could pick that up and I could, and sometimes it confirms something or like it confirms a worst fear about myself, like, you know, the chatter in our minds. Um, so I'll, I'll read something and I'm like, Oh, I agree with that. I really am terrible, you know? And my husband will be like. That's that's not true. That's your mean. That's your inner mean girl talking to you, and you can't let that happen. So, yeah, it's an ongoing process. Um, but community, uh, real life community, and the five people in my life that um, are on that list has been so essential to me being able to be better—not perfect, but better—at being authentic on a wider scale.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right that those are the toughest, um, for sure, the toughest critical comments to hear are the ones that deeply touch our own insecurities, because it's easy to lie to yourself or to hide that part of you until you're faced with it externally. Um, And I guess my encouragement to anybody listening would be, um, whether it's us or anybody online, like remember that you're talking to a real person, not just because it's easy to hide behind social media and it's easier to say something in text or on social than in real life. Um, and my hope and something I want to write a lot more about in the future is just what if we all could become the model for the fact that you can disagree with someone and still be kind to them. And you can have a conversation where you don't agree on issues without name calling or being mean. Um, and what if we were kind and loving, especially when we don't agree with someone because certainly none of us have ever changed anyone's mind by arguing with them or by calling them names or putting them down in any way. We know it's not effective. It's still a defense mechanism. And I know I'm as guilty as anyone else in the past. I've done that at times. um, But I also can now say from my own experience, when the times I've lashed out like that, it's because of fear or anger or pain that was in my own past and almost never about the other person. So what if we can all, like to Brene's point, take ownership of that and be a little vulnerable and be able to be kind, even when it's hard and be able to disagree in a kind way and have the hard conversations without having to resort to personal attacks. Yeah. Um, So yeah, everything by Brene Brown, all of them. Do you have any favorite books? I I had one that I haven't finished yet, Barefoot. What is it? Barefoot and Balanced, I think it is. Yeah, Yeah, we read that one. I love that one too. It touches on some of the same points as Playboyhood and how to raise an adult, but really just about how um, psychologically kids are being harmed by not having enough of those normal childhood experiences that many of us had, both because there's more to do inside these days and also they're just not really being allowed the same freedom. Um, It talks about things like, the vestibular system and how they need to climb things and jump off things and run really fast till they're almost too scared. They're scared because they're going so fast or go down a hill really fast on a bike, um, that all of those things develop important parts of the brain. And that when we don't have those experiences, we're actually stunting that part of a growth. And it talks about how, for instance, phobias, um, don't come from experiences. So you, it's, Kind of, you can easy to think like, oh, you become afraid of something by having a bad experience with that thing. But it turns out it's actually the lack of an experience that makes a phobia. So the lack of ever being in water makes someone afraid to swim, not actually a near drowning experience. Or the lack of climbing things and jumping off of things creates a fear of heights, not actually having been up at heights. And so that just reframed for me the way that I looked at my kids having experiences in and just trying to think through rationally, like, okay, they could fall out of a tree and they might break an arm and that's the worst that can happen. They're not going to die, but they're also the positive here is they're developing parts of their brain that are going to serve them really well in adulthood. And so this is a time when I can take a deep breath and not tell them to be careful and not (sighs) every time they do something, um, and let them learn through trial and error and through sometimes falling down. Hmm. Wow. Let's see. Another one that I'm not done with, but I like so far is called the four agreements. Um, so far it's really just helping reframe, um, kind of that like mental stress and vulnerability side a little bit. Um, and one of the points is like, for instance, be impeccable with your word or, and another is don't take everything personally, Um, just things like that, that are really good reminders. It's a very short and easy read, but it's been a good one. Impeccable with your word. Yeah. Huh.
1: So what does that look like? Does that just mean
0: be a person of your word? Or is it being clear with what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. So both. So both um, making sure you're honest all the time, which doesn't mean you have to say everything that's on your mind. I've definitely met people who thought that honesty meant they had to be... Full disclosure. Radically disclosing everything at all times. And I think there is the balance there. If, If what you're going to say isn't going to benefit anyone and it has the potential to hurt someone there is a time and a place to not say everything that's on your mind. Um, but it's basically about being honest with yourself and with those you love the most about j- just through your living, the way you live and the way you speak um, and kind of going back to the walls and not hiding parts of yourself um, and just kind of embracing that fully and in an authentic way. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Next thing we're going to talk about was I guess all of our big life transitions. We can talk about, the fact that we both moved, which we we touched on in a previous um, episode, but we live now very close together, which is awesome. Uh And because of the move, you're getting to build a house, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. It wasn't on purpose. We actually found a house and tried to buy it. And um, actually it became the subject of a legal issue that wasn't related to us at all. So we ended up not buying it. Um, and I told my husband I was like, I don't want to build a house because I don't want to make all those decisions. And if I was gonna build a house, then I would want to research and do things better than your typical, you know, build site. Um, but ended up being the best option for us. So we're taking things slow and I'm researching and doing my best to learn and hopefully be able to share how I've prioritized what we're gonna do differently and what just didn't work out in our budget. Cause you know, I'm never going to let perfect be the enemy of good. And for us, we're not going to be able to build like a perfect house. Like we're not going to be able to use every perfect material that's available because, um, it's just not on our budget, but there are things that we're doing differently that we're trying to prioritize. And we're actually in the last kind of stages where we're deciding what things that we can reasonably incorporate into the build, but it's been a really interesting experience. And, um, and I definitely feel like uh, we need to have more conversations between people who care about the environment and people who care about human health because the biggest thing that's tripped us up is that when you talk about green building, sometimes the green building movement is using a lot of materials that are recycled or in some ways are helping the environment, but maybe not optimal for human, for human health and um, vice versa. Like we want people, we want materials that are Non toxic to people, but also have a low footprint. So we're doing our best to navigate that, and I will share what I learn um, as we sort of move into the actual finalizing process. And when we finally get built, whenever that is, <laughs> I'll give you guys a tour.
0: Yeah, and we have kind of the opposite thing. So we um, moved based on community aspects. We knew some people. Where we've moved now um, and also knowing that like my parents would move eventually as well and this would be a place that they could retire but we bought a house thinking it would be a temporary house for us and we would eventually build a house um, and we accidentally landed in an amazing neighborhood that's full of amazing people and went through this phase of like well can we leave would we leave this place to um to build our house and our kids are so happy here back to all the points about children playing outside and um having community and social experiences they there's about 30 kids in our neighborhood and from the second the kids get off school they're all outside climbing trees riding bikes um actually put um so i have an aura ring and it fits on my oldest son's finger. And so I put my ring on him for a few days to see just the level of activity and deep sleep that they're getting based on this. Because the Aura Ring, unlike other trackers, it can go into airplane mode. So I didn't want to have um, like EMFs through a Bluetooth device on my kids at all times. And it turns out they're running um, 10 to 13 miles on average per day, 16 on days when they feel like trying to see how far they can run. And that doesn't include biking or tree climbing. And so just, and, and all the parents in the neighborhood are people that we get along with. And it has that 1950s feel of community where there's like dinner parties or we all get together and just spend time while the kids play outside and the kids are playing capture the flag in the dark or occasionally challenging us to play capture the flag. And we realize just how bad our VO2 max capacity is now. <laughs> um, and so our plan was that my parents would move into this house after we built. And my parents went through a phase of like, well, we don't know if we want to live in a neighborhood with that many kids. And just this, and so we're like, well, we, we can't move. We can't leave this, especially if my parents won't be here so the kids can't come back and play. So we decided to temporarily and permanently for now put building on hold. And then my parents decided they actually did like this neighborhood. (laughs) So now they live here too. So it really is like the 1950s. And then there's some days it feels a little bit like um, everybody loves Raymond or um, something like it's some fun dynamics at times, but um, it's been amazing. So we're actually not building like we were planning to. So you get to have the building experience, Um, but because it wasn't a house that we thought was going to be our permanent house, there definitely is some um, remodeling and stuff we'll do over time. And even as we're researching, just things like painting bring up a lot of points of trying to find a paint that is low VOC, which is well known, but also low SVOC, and that's not as well known. yeah. Um, or when it comes to EMFs, we had some EMF issues in the house that we had to mitigate. so we've had to like retroactively put things like shielding and like a kill switch on our power and like things we didn't really plan on having to do. But they make such a huge difference. We didn't install a kill switch because we are
1: in a rental situation while we're building. But we actually are turning off some of the breakers. It's a brand new breaker. Um, I spoke with an EMF expert who was like, if you have an old breaker, it's not always a good idea to keep flipping things on and off because that can cause issues and you want to be as safe as possible. But if it's a brand, brand new breaker, doing it for a very short amount of time like we're doing is okay. But um, we started just flipping off some things on the breakers and our sleep was so different so measurable the reason i know is because i had one child that kept waking up and um you know how weird we are i mean you and i have stood in my future neighborhood with like all the weird measuring tools and like we're like you know got our hands out and measuring everything they look like we're looking for aliens but um so we did that to our house and it turns out that child's room was just really really high and like all of the emf Type situation. It was just like eating a hot spot. So now, when we turn it off, sleep is amazing, and it's totally worth it. But um, we, you know, working in a house where you have existing issues and then identifying those issues is a totally different thing, but just as challenging as trying to build because you have to just sort of like find them, and it's it's not always obvious what you
0: need to look for. Absolutely. And I know we both are, know that the EMF issue is a big one that's continuing to grow in importance, but thankfully there are also things like that that's free to do. Like flipping breakers is free or you can get a kill switch, which is not that. Yeah. They're not that expensive and you don't even really like you can install some of them. I think yourself. you can. Yeah. Or even just things like baby stuff, like putting a $10 timer on your Wi-Fi at night and taking it down when you're sleeping anyway, yes. makes such a big difference. And that's almost free. Like that's like two cups of coffee and you're protecting your cells so much while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, but I mean, it's frustrating that I feel like we have to navigate so much and you're right that that dichotomy between green, eco-friendly and human healthy. I hope that's going to be the next thing because like we talked about before, like, when we first started, none of this stuff existed. You couldn't buy certain foods in grocery stores that now you can. So I'm hoping in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see actual innovative solutions for the EMF thing that take into account the eco-friendly side and also the human health side and, and for all aspects of building. I hope
1: so. And we will share our experience so that maybe we can help bring people together
0: that can solve those problems. Exactly. And the other part of this, I know the move for both of us has just been um, a focus on community. And I think partially, maybe it's a natural human reaction as we get older, just realizing just how important people and relationships and community are. And we've talked about this in passing before, but just knowing the statistics about the community literally is one of the most important things you can do for your health. And it's something worth being proactive about. And it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be totally free. It's just that's got to become a priority for all of us. Um, And looking at how detached the modern world is and knowing things like That having strong relationships and community is more important for your health than quitting smoking or than exercising or than all these things that we're like stressing ourselves out to do. And it's also one of the most common or the common factor of all the blue zones.
1: Right. I feel like it's the most
0: unappreciated
1: factor because I think people assume that if you're feeling great, that those relationships flow naturally. But I think it's really the reverse that. Um, there's so many things that you can be doing right, but if you, but the, the connections, if you don't have those connections, then somehow, I don't know, your stress levels stay high. I don't know exactly what it is, but for us, community has been become a greater focus. I feel like it's it's more important than a lot of the choices that we have de- dedicated so much of our energy to.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something because I, you probably get some of these comments as well. And I know I have of just, um, people who are upset with the the way the culture really endorses alcohol for women. And I think there's several facets to this conversation. One is which I agree that we should not be encouraging alcohol consumption as an outlet or to avoid stress, because really what you need to be addressing is the stress. But like, for instance, blue zones, there's regular consumption and very moderate amounts of things like wine as part of their culture. So we know that there are correlations with long-term health benefits. And to me, that's part of the conversation that i've wanted to bring up is just that in and of itself alcohol is not bad the data shows that there can be definitely a time and a place for it in moderation but the overuse of alcohol or binge drinking or we're seeing more of that and i think especially for women that goes back to stress so much and it's not isolated to alcohol we're also seeing women abuse sugar a lot more or binge eat or do other things out of stress as an outlet rather than addressing the stress with things like community or just getting things off of our plates more or getting back to the basics of family life and letting our kids play outside. I feel like that's two
1: things. Like when you say stress, the two words that I sort of reading into that are loneliness and a sense of expectations, like high expectations that they feel like them we we sometimes feel like them place on us. This whole like super mom mythos. mythos? What's the, how do you say that? I don't know. Anyway, but, um, you know, I do think that loneliness can play a huge factor because we, we do see the curated lives of other people. And then we assume that our messy days are, you know, messy in and of themselves and that, that, that we're having that experience alone. And then also do feel like there are a lot of expectations that they're in out there and um, when we come together and we we risk vulnerability in a wise way, and, you know, Brene Brown talks a lot about not just being vulnerable to everyone, but choosing to be vulnerable, to tell your story to people who have really earned the right to hear it. And, but if we seek those people out and we consistently stay close to them, then, you know, um, I feel like that's the most protective thing that we can do in terms of uh, dealing with stress it's not going to, I mean, all, there are lots of things. Like I definitely re- think adaptogens are helpful and those kinds of things are helpful, but a good conversation with a friend and having those friends that you can show up, like we currently are like drenched in sweat and like, what are we wearing? Like, workout clothes and no makeup, you know, um, where that's like your normal. You don't have to like do anything to,
0: to meet up
1: um, Is a huge factor.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Rael, the new organic and natural feminine care brand that is completely redefining the world of menstrual products. Their three female founders came together after experiencing a lack of healthy and functional period pads available most places. You see, products that claimed to be healthy didn't hold up, and the products that did hold up weren't exactly healthy. During their research, they found that pads and liners manufactured and sold by big drugstore brands were actually often made with extremely toxic ingredients like acetone, styrofoam, and other carcinogens that you don't want on your skin and especially not in such a delicate place. You know those bright white pads that have blue designs running down the center to look like that? They're heavily bleached and processed, often with harmful chemicals to function a certain way. But that's where Rael comes in. The company is on a mission to give women safe and healthy alternatives that don't sacrifice comfort or performance. That means that you can get the best of all worlds. Their pads and liners are sustainably made with 100% organic cotton, and they've become an Amazon bestseller in just a few months after launching. They've also expanded their collection to include biodegradable tampons, natural cleaners and wipes, menstrual underwear, and even a period beauty line featuring facial masks and acne patches designed specifically to alleviate hormonal skin issues the company and its founders are really trying to revolutionize menstrual care and what it means to look after ourselves and our bodies during that time of the month. And they're really excited to offer you guys, Wellness Mama listeners, an exclusive discount to experience the difference firsthand. You can visit GetRyle.com. That's G-E-T-R-A-E-L.com to learn more and to enjoy 15% off your purchase with the code Wellness Mama. This podcast is sponsored by Thrive Market, my source for many organic and natural foods on a budget see thrive market carries many of my favorite brands like primal kitchen kettle and fire mary's gone crackers and simple mills at a big discount but my favorite thing is their line of thrive market brand products which are amazing quality and they're a huge discount off of name brands our family always stocks up on things like almond butter coconut aminos canned tuna and sardines avocado oil mayo raisins, nuts, grain-free granola, spices, pasta sauce, chia seeds, and all of our other pantry staples so that we always have them on hand when we need them. Just for being a Wellness Mama podcast listener, and thank you for that by the way, you can save an extra 25% off of your first purchase. Plus you get a 30-day free membership to Thrive Market. You can get both of those by going to thrivemarket.com forward slash Katie. That's thrivemarket.com forward slash K-A-T-I-E. I I have written a post before called you can't out supplement a poor diet. And I think even more importantly, you can't out supplement out diet or out exercise stress level, um, or lack of community. Like I think really, truly that is one of our core human desires that we've lost so much in modern, in the modern world. And you've hit the nail on the head as far as we have this overwhelm and expectation as moms of all these things we're supposed to do, but also the modern world for all of our quote unquote connectivity is very lonely at times. Um, the irony being like social media is not very social at all. And it's so hard to then prioritize real life FaceTime with people. And I think that's, um, It's going to be a huge factor for our generation, especially for our kids' generation, because I think that's we're seeing kids with an even more difficult time doing that because of technology. Um, And I know this is something that for us has been both a personal journey, but also something that we want to model in the world and to make more um, prominent as something as an issue for women and families and human beings. Um, Which brings us to kind of our exciting updates and news. Do you want (laughs) to? I feel like you should get to share this. Oh, my gosh.
1: Um, Okay. See, when you did that, my brain, like, all of the stuff just flew out of it. But, you know, it is, like, I do, I I see myself, like, and I, there is no judgment for this. Like, there have been times where I got smashed, like, by some comment or whatever in online. And all of a sudden, like, for an hour, I'm, like, emotionally restabilizing, And my kids are right there in front of me watching this, you know, they know something's wrong. I'm not communicating maybe the whole like I'm not reading them the comment, but they've seen this, they've seen the impact of the online world. But what has made such a difference, like over the time that you and I with we met since we met, has been my resilience, my ability to bounce back for that from that. And I want them to live in a world where it's very clear to them that real life relationships always hold a, a weight and there's an authenticity and a connection that's possible um, when they invest in those people and invest in having those kinds of conversations. So, you know, for years, you and I have been meeting up to do all kinds of weird things. I mean, if there was a weird thing that could be done and it was close enough for us to both get to, we were like doing it and we were living life and sort of working behind the scenes to help each other out, to collaborate, to see what we could do to kind of further the mission that we both had. But it's hard because, you know, we both were sort of running, doing things separately. And um, it's a lot of work. (laughs) I'll let you speak to that. You want to speak to it?
0: Yeah, I think that's been, it's been fun to, but difficult at times to navigate as friends because we're 100% in each other's corners. And obviously, like some of each other's biggest fans and like always are encouraging each other. But logistically, in some ways, we were also kind of like online competitors. We never thought of it in that way. right? But we had sites that are competing or like there are only so many keywords and there's only so many posts that can be written about body butter and whatever. So there was like overlap there. And I know we had to like, we've had all these weird ways to navigate that where we don't read each other's blogs or like... Oh, yeah.
1: Like not at all. Like there would be a... I would Google something I wanted to learn about, your site would come up and I couldn't read it because... If I did, it might get stuck in my brain, and then I would be worried I would accidentally recycle it. And we already shared a brain.
0: Yeah, and people – we
1: already feel like we, like, jokingly say that we share a brain. Right. I mean, we've published similar posts on the same day, I think, where it'll go out, and I'll be like – Oh, and it usually seasonal, but
0: there it is. Like they would just be out there. We've even shown up in the same type of outfit before or the same color shirt or like with totally unplanned. It's bought the same things off of Amazon and walked into each other's houses and been like, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) like with all
1: the things you can find on Amazon, we would choose the same thing. Yeah. So we've been doing this behind the scenes for a while and gosh, sometime around
0: the new year, we were sitting in a sauna. Where we have
1: a lot of our important conversation.
0: <laughs> ended up being a very long sauna conversation. Really, really long. long. Even longer than this one. We were so sweaty. And then we, of course, logically, we rehydrated with, I think, um, Prosecco. Well, we had to celebrate. We had did. We did. Because but we did have water. We, we did have water, too. Yes. We didn't just. Um, so are we doing this? I think we are. This is the big okay. moment. We feel like we need a drum roll. So we were in the sauna. sauna. And we, you got to say it. So we conceived this idea of what if, instead of like even just logistically competing, what if we combined forces and could really become and hopefully model for other women in this world um, a very real aspect of community and supporting each other and lifting each other up and being on the same team. um, And in the logistical way that we figured out to do that was through basically combining the forces of our websites. So this is kind of a, two, this is two
1: things. One is um, we get to spend more time together because we get to collaborate instead of doing a lot of the same things separately, which was a huge thing and one of the awesome benefits of living close to each other. But also there was this aspect um, that mommy potamus was a name that my husband nicked, <laughs> nicknamed me a long time ago. And over time it started to feel like less and less of a fit because There was a time in which it felt like the right thing because it sort of was lighthearted at a time when I was choosing to embrace life, um, when I had been sort of kind of hanging back before that. But also it was only a partly true iteration of who I really am. I think there was a part of me that thought that if I really stepped into who I, if I really revealed who I am, which is a serious, lighthearted but intense person who is research driven and listens to podcasts about weird science y things um, for fun that um, I would that I would find that I didn't have anywhere to belong. And so I kinda held back the more serious side of me. And as I've gotten into this, I find that the thing that's most rewarding for me is to be talking to researchers behind the scenes and I'm emailing with like MIT researchers and my free time um, but the name of my site was so not serious that I would get people that would email me and say things like, man, I really want to share your article with my doctor, but I don't think he's going to listen to anyone called a monopotamus And I was like, yeah, I kind of agree with you. It felt like a good fit for a time. And then it stopped feeling like a good fit. And so I was kind of looking for a new name and thinking through that. And that's what we were sort of talking through as one of the things when, It just occurred to us that maybe this was the time where it made sense for us to partner together because choosing a new name is a challenge, especially when all the names that you might choose are taken by your closest friends. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And realizing just too the power of strength in numbers and how much stronger we could be together because both of us got into this as both a hobby and a passion and wanting to change things and never really i don't think fully realized in the beginning just how much of a job we were stepping into as far as it takes a lot to run a business and there's a lot of logistical stuff that is beyond just the writing part that we both love or beyond the creating content and so to run that separately like there's just so much more logistics whereas now by combining we're able to support each other more fully and the team we have a team that helps as well um which lets us hopefully create more content and better content and be able to connect with all of you better, um, with, and hopefully also less stress on our side. Um, plus like to back to the earlier point, the community part is so important and we keep seeing increasing divisiveness in the world and just people segmenting into all these factions and not being able to truly connect. And so that's another thing we're hoping that we can be a model in a small way is the importance of Supporting each other in community. Absolutely. And I'm so excited about this because I feel like, um, we
1: have, our conversations have spurred so many creative things, um, that we've done separately, but now we get to actually use that energy to kind of, uh, combine our efforts and do more. So I am very, very excited and grateful because Obviously, this isn't just about a, a name switch. That's not really, I was kind of sharing that just as an aside because this is an opportunity to become more fully ourselves, like to step into more authenticity. For me, it's about, um, stepping forward and being willing to say, Hey, I am a mom, but I also know stuff and not trying to couch it, um, or, or not, you know, not trying to couch it in a way that says it's okay if you don't take me seriously because as moms, um, we don't have to hold degrees to be taken seriously. Um, we are, uh, you know, our gut and our instinct is in many ways what's driving um, the trends toward health, the things that we're seeing. I mean, moms were talking about the gut brain connection like five years before we started seeing mainstream articles on it. And I think it's okay to step forward and say, like, hey, we're moms and we know stuff. We don't know everything, but we're willing to learn and. And having that curiosity and that willingness to learn and partner with doctors is is essential to um, turning around some of the trends that we're seeing um, in health overall. Uh, so there's that, um, but also there's the community aspect because uh, being this out there, like we talked about, can be a vulnerable place. So doing it together allows us to be more real with, with you guys. Because we're more real with each other, and so when we're sitting here recording podcasts, it just kind of it all gets easier to be um,
0: to invite you into our community that we've been kind of living in for years now. Yeah, and to your point about like tackling these problems, and there's so much more even than ten years ago when we started that are. Generation and our kids' generation are facing in the world. And so, by combining forces, we're hopefully able to help provide resources to stop that. Because, like I know we've both talked about individually, we're kind of no longer at a point where we can just maintain the status quo and do everything in moderation. And maintain health unfortunately like there's so many negative inputs there's plastic everywhere there's pesticides everywhere there's emfs everywhere like an increasing numbers that we do have to be more proactive and women are the ones leading that charge especially moms and so Um, We want to really be able to step into keeping up with the research on that and providing resources because our kids really do face a lot. And I know that was for both of us, both personally and on a bigger level. Part of the reason we, we have written for this long and why we care so much is just realizing what our kids face definitely. So logistically, that means that over the next few months, hopefully, depending on how long it will take us to do it. But our tech husbands have to facilitate (laughs) the actual. Yes, we get to do lots of writing, hopefully, and they are going to be working on merging all of the content. So um, Heather will become very much a part of Wellness Mama and an equal Wellness Mama and the site and her articles will be there as well. And we'll both be able to create new articles and new podcasts. And if we get really brave, maybe even videos, we've talked about (sighs) Scary videos. (laughs) But back to the vulnerability thing YouTube commenters can be very, very mean. Oh, man.
1: (laughs) I think we should do one of those mean tweets videos one day where we just read YouTube comments because those are way meaner
0: than the tweets that I've seen. It's true. Actually, like on that note, I went to a conference this year. We both did actually. And there was something called the Insanity Awards where you were supposed to read your meanest comments. So I had someone on our team help me compile because I don't see all of them or I would never, I would just cry all the time. Um, I had her compiled a list of like the top 50 from the last year. And I got through like the first 20 of them before I realized <laughs> there's no way I can read these out loud. I'm going to stop now. Right. Um, but we should do that. And the other exciting part of this that we can share is that with having a little bit more bandwidth, um, we've also realized there's huge needs in the market for Essential like family essential products that are truly good, that work, and that also are safe. And whether that be um, toothpaste, shampoo, conditioner, baby products, these are all things that there are some great ones out there that are either natural or that work really well, but it's hard to find ones that do both really well. And you and I have both been working on recipes for some of these things for so many years Mm -hmm. that we're now really excited to be able to... um, We're in the process of creating a company that will make these products widely available Um, in online and in traditional retail so that moms have options that are both affordable but that work and toothpaste that actually kind of foams and shampoo that bubbles and the things that people want but without having to sacrifice either health or it working
1: yeah so that's very exciting and, and definitely a huge undertaking so I'm glad that we're doing it
0: together absolutely so Lots of big changes coming, both for us. I know personally, we've talked about all of our changes and now with business, but it's super exciting to finally get to tell you guys we've been sitting on this secret for gosh, like nine months now, right? Um, It turns out that it's actually kind of logistically hard to merge completely like separate businesses. So we had to learn some legal education along the way and some like realize that contracts can take months and months. And um, we're finally excited to be able to actually just jump in and share with you and start working together. So that was our big update. Thank you guys for sticking with us for this long. I'm I'm sure we've been at this for fifty minutes, which Whoa. considering we're in we're a sauna, like we are actually there's a puddle underneath us at this point, so We are going to now go rehydrate, but keep an eye out for all the fun changes coming soon and um, some other new surprises that will be coming in the next few months. And um, like we always say, we're so grateful to all of you guys for sharing your time and your energy with us. It means a whole lot. It's your most valuable resource, and we don't take that lightly. So thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again on the next episode. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me?